This is the About Perception podcast. This is Tom Garrity. One of the items that keeps coming up year after year in the Garrity Perception Survey is how people access news and information in New Mexico. And one of the things we've seen over the last several years is how the traditional media um, has still been maintaining its own as far as traditional talking about print, radio, uh, television. Uh, all of those, the traditional forms of media, still very much in place as a key sources of news and information. However, when we look at uh, how digital media, social media, blogs, uh, internet news sites come into play, um, those tend to be not have, they haven't really taken off the way that they have in other parts of the country. And a lot of that might have something to do with the ongoing recession here in New Mexico. However, one thing is for sure. If you want to reach an older demographic, the baby boomers, uh, you will definitely want to be able to tune into uh, the traditional forms of media. And if you want to be able to tap into and uh, inform the millennials, then you'll want to focus on the digital media. And joining me today for the About Perception podcast is both a millennial as well as a journalist in the traditional media. Her name is Victoria Edwards, and she is an intern uh, with KUNM. You're a millennial, and you are, instead of engaged in the digital media aspect of things, uh, you tend to be engaged in the traditional media, which is tends to be more of uh, reaching the baby boomers and things of that nature. Do you think it's a it's an interesting dichotomy, or is it something that you're very comfortable with? I'm very comfortable with it, and I don't see it as mutually exclusive at all, because although I do radio and that KUNM is more of a traditional media source, I still do, I do Twitter for them, which is more of, you know, I, I would think digital media. Um, I'm very active. Even with my own personal Facebook, I'll put up my stories because I'm trying to get out to everybody. So I, I don't see it as being mutually exclusive. Yeah, I'm, I'm using radio, but it, we're also doing blog posts in our KUNM site. I'm also doing Twitter. I'm also doing Facebook. I'm, I'm engaging in all those different areas, and I don't see myself engaging in one over another. I see them as all kind of interconnected. So the interconnected media, um, every, you know, a lot of folks uh, will access different forms of uh, media. Um, but when it comes to trustworthiness, uh, you're looking at, you know, people trust traditional forms of media, digital media, not so much. Um, for you personally, how do you build trust in the media where you're in, whether that be digital media or traditional media? I'm, I think I think digital media or just they're they're just like mediums, right? So it's not the most important thing isn't the medium, whether it be Twitter or or KUNM radio. I think the most important thing is your reporting, and I'm still building trust because I'm in a new market. I'm I just came to New Mexico, a, you know, a couple of weeks ago. I have to build trust based on the credibility of my stories. I have to be factually accurate. I have to have different perceptions. I have I can't look like I'm only looking at one side. I have to be the best reporter I can be. And I think that that's something that you can say across any medium. And as you were starting to form, uh, you know, your thoughts about a career in journalism, uh, who are some of the folks that helped to shape the person that you are today? Uh, some of, I really like my favorite journalist growing up was Mitch album. I'm from Detroit. I'm from Michigan and I'm not even a sports journalist, but I just, He's an amazing writer. Um, he's, you know, he's also written several books since. Um, I feel I just was always able to like really get into his stories, and I want to be. A, I wanted to be a journalist like that. The fact that I could read 
his stories and actually care about sports. And I'm not a sports person. It's just the way he writes. And so for, for me, he was, he was someone I loved, um, somebody who's not traditional at all, although he was writing during a traditional time. I also really liked Hunter S. Thompson growing up. Uh, he's a Gaza journalist. He's kind of crazy. Uh, I, t- I see elements of him in the Southwest all over the place. Um, but he was, a, he was a big political journalist. He really wasn't a big fan of, like, Nixon. Uh, he wrote for the Rolling Stone, um, for Rolling Stone magazine. Like, I, I really liked him as well. I, f- I felt like he was kind of always... Um, trying to he wasn't always the most objective but uh I liked his passion and he was I feel like he was always trying to kind of speak truth to power in his own weird way so those are the journalists uh and sports commentators as well yeah (laughs) um talk about some of the events I mean because when we look at events that have shaped you know, who we are as journalists. Uh, for me, b- before I got into my 10 years uh, in the journalism arena, it was, you know, events like the Nixon, uh, you know, debacle as far as with the impeachment, uh, you know, all the president's men, you know, really kind of that was one of the key things that shaped how I viewed the role of the media. Um, were there, have there any been, been any salient moments like that for you as far as you looked at a particular event, how it was covered, that you go, you know, that really spoke to me as, uh, and helped to shape who I am as a journalist, either as how you look at things or a reason that you're engaged in journalism? I mean, right now I'm really interested, and I'm sure with everybody else, I'm really looking at uh, the coverage of you know the upcoming general elections. And I'm also in graduate school for journalism, so it was very interesting for me to see how so many journalists have have been saying that they're the reason like Trump is Trump, and kind of like apologizing for it. I think it's interesting to see the way that uh, the media kind of gave Trump maybe like they say like 600 million dollars worth of free media publicity is he's he wasn't he didn't have a huge I, don't quote me on that but he didn't have he doesn't have like a huge he didn't have a huge budget right now and for the general election he's got like 1.3 million dollars to uh Hillary's like you know 40 something but one big one big uh, complaint has been about the media has been that they've given him a lot of free media coverage and made him into an like a real um, legitimate opponent, whereas he might not have been otherwise. I mean, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if he would have been otherwise, but it's been interesting for me to kind of see that side. And all of my professors, a lot of my professors in graduate school, um, talking about how not to cover candidates or how not to cover issues. Uh, Because usually, you know, when you want to think about being a journalist, it's about being fair and objective um, and how maybe being fair and objective isn't being accurate. That's what I've heard a lot about. And and if anything, that's kind of just been something I'm thinking about a lot. I don't know if it's helped to shape me as a journalist, but it's interesting to hear that, that commentary, that conversation going on. And it's an it's a fascinating conversation. You know, uh, when we look at our perception survey over the last six years, one thing we've seen is uh, you know who people don't trust in New Mexico, and when we look at people you know who they don't trust, at the the bottom four uh, include uh, federal officials, state officials, journalists, 
and advertising executives, of which, by the way, uh, for the record, I'm a public relations person, not an advertiser. I'm just kidding on that. But, uh, but, you know, and so when you look at the least trusted professions, I think to an extent, those are all establishment occupations. And so perhaps an argument could be made that the establishment has somehow left behind one particular segment of society, which there have been perhaps Donald Trump or maybe we've seen in the the British exit from the uh, you know from the European Union that they've been able to tap into. Um, would you agree that perhaps there are some areas that have been necessarily left out of that process, or that there's you know why why that high level of distrust? I think there's a big disconnect in our country as a whole. You get the peop- a lot of people living on the coasts. Um, who I think have been able to tap into this idea of a new economy. Before I was born, um, you know, the generation before me, you were able to get a good factory job. I'm from Michigan. Like that, I heard about these tales of people who you could just go to high school, get a good job, raise your family. That's not true for my generation. Um, I feel like there's been a large segment of the population who does feel left out, um, maybe because of globalization, because of added competition, because uh, they're their training and their skills don't meet the demands out there. And I think that by and large, those are not the people that have the power in terms of media or politics. So the people in the media are this tiny little group and coming from the coasts, coming from money, maybe they've been, they've been able to keep up with this. And I think that there's a big disconnect. And I think you see that with the same thing um, with, this, with this vote in the U.K., there are people who feel like their their voices aren't being aren't heard, and the thing is, I think that these little bubbles, this like political bubble where the power is, or the media bubble where the voices are being heard, that can only continue for so long because there are a lot of people who I think are being left out and their voices aren't heard, and I think that this is kind of a natural. It's, it's. I mean, it's sad, but I I, I can understand, I can understand where it's coming from. If if you heard stories about. Or, or if you were able at one point to be able to get a job with just a high school degree and, and you look at the world and that world doesn't, isn't what you remember and you can no longer make your way in it, that's got to be very confusing and it's got it's to be very frustrating. And, um, and you've got to, yeah, you've got to feel, you must feel left out. Mm-hmm. And that I could see, yeah, anger would be, you know, kind of a natural, you don't want any, you don't want anything to do with this liberal um, why am I keep saying liberal? I'm man, but this, <laughs> the people that you see having the power that don't represent your needs and don't and are talking about a world that you don't understand anymore. That's got to be difficult. Very well said. So, what I'd like to do is kind of wrap up on a, a very light note. Uh, you have been in New Mexico now since uh, just a few days, uh, probably what since the beginning of June, we'll say thereabouts. So, little less than a month. How would you describe New Mexico to your friends in Michigan or your colleagues in Florida? I'm still trying to figure New Mexico out. It's, I would say it's beautiful. That's, I mean, I love the mountains, the Sandia Mountains. I've never lived with mountains before. They're, so, they're these big, blue, beautiful mountains, and they're the only way that I know how to get around on public transportation because I know the mountains are to the east. So if I'm going to the west, I, I know what bus to take. And so they're very central to my understanding of getting around here. 
But for me so far, yeah, New Mexico's just been gorgeous. Um, I'm still trying to figure it out. It seems like the Wild West here. And it's, it's like a new world. There's, you know, you've got you know, you've lots of different interests. And, yeah, I'm still figuring it out. I got cactus for the first time. I, I rode in my bike into a cactus. That was painful. But, yeah. Obviously not on purpose, but on accident. And you're you're okay today, it looks like. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, getting cactus, whether you're on a bike or running or hiking, is definitely something that is not comfortable, especially picking those spines out and stuff. This has been <laughs> – they do go deep. Uh, Victoria Edwards, thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you. This is the Garrity Perception Survey, the About Perception podcast. Uh, For more information, please feel free to visit GarrityPR.com or AboutPerception.com. For more information, please feel free to share this podcast with your friends and your colleagues. This is Tom Garrity.